and David Fletcher is a better hitter. What is going on, baseball fans? Uh, we're back this week with another episode of This Week in Baseball. I am still not Jordan Lazowski. Two weeks in a row, um, things would, I would say are looking up. <laughs> anyway, uh, so today we've got some familiar faces here. We've got uh, Christian Moyd, Matthew Penn, Jonathan Roy. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing well. Pretty good. Awesome. Great to hear. And like, like always, we'll do our standing updates around the league in 60 seconds. Uh, we'll try to wrap up some things that, you know, if we miss anything in that uh, seventh inning stretch and then what to watch for. And so J-Roy did win our uh, seventh inning stretch last week. We'll see if he can make it to it around this week. Uh, anyway, we'll jump <laughs> we'll jump right into our standings update. And just a reminder, we are recording this uh, Sunday afternoon. So this could be – some of these could change by the end of the – End of the day here, uh, by the time you listen to this, but as of right now, this moment, uh, this is what the standings will look like. So we'll start in the American League. Out West, the Astros uh, are leading that division there. The Central, it's the White Sox. And the East, right now, it is the Rays. The wild card, you have the Yankees and the A's with Boston a half game behind Oakland. In the National League, out West, you still have the San Francisco Giants, uh, the Central, you have the Brewers. The East, you have the Braves. Wildcard teams out there, you have the Dodgers. And right now, it is the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they're tied uh, with the Padres, but if we're, I think they have the technical edge over them right now. So any from anyone, really, any, you know, anything you want to say about this current standing updates? We have a little bit of change in those wildcard races this week. Oh, uh, I think the... I mean, one of the biggest things is the fact that the Braves are actually playing great, you know, great ball right now. I think that they're kind of looking the way we thought they could at the beginning of the season. You know, uh, they've won like like eight in a row or something now or something like that. I think so. And, uh, you know, they're continuing to uh, to increase their lead in the East, and they're the only team – in the NL East that has a positive run differential, there's this plus 90 right now, and every other team's in the negative. So, you know, like, if you even look deeper than just the record, it's really not close there. Uh, still, Phillies are only five games back. Anything could happen. But uh, I think, you know, I think the Braves have been the most interesting team in the last week or so. And you look at the American League now, the Yankees in that first wild card spot, they've been on the outside looking in for most of the season. <laughs> This is kind of the run a lot of their fans thought would happen at some point, and it finally is. So, yeah, it looks like we've lost Christian here for a sec, but we'll see if he comes back. Uh, but yeah, uh, right now the Braves seem to be like the only team playing like they want to win that division. So, <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but I mean, the, I think the big surprise there is the Reds right now. They've well, the Padres have just been on an unbelievably just treacherous downfall. In uh, the second half here, um, but the Reds have been playing good enough to kind of overtake that wild card spot. And so, you know, all season it's been oh the three big uh, NL West teams, 
And right now it's now it's down to two. We'll see yeah, if the Padres uh, can keep it up. But I'll say though, like if you're the Padres, like nothing will turn you around like that one they had last night, though. Like, you right. know, when, when you were getting perfect gamed through like five innings and then you know, and you have one hit into the eighth. And then you turn around and you hit a game tying two run home run at the bottom of the ninth, and you go on to win that game in extras. Like that's, I mean, I, if there, if there's anything that's going to jumpstart that team, I think that'll be it. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a big win for them last night. I was rather upset about it, uh, being the Giants fan. Dude, but, you know, it's you're, fine. You're not. The, you're not the only one. But oh yeah, I'm sure I wasn't. <laughs> I'm sure you were more upset than I was. But Nola was throwing such a good game, too. Yeah, like that was the first really great start he's had in so long. And for him to just, you know, and like it was still like, you know, eight and a third, two earned, like I'll take it. But man, like. Right. If if he can get, get it, like really going, him, Wheeler, um, scary one-two punch. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so we'll move on past our um, standing updates to around the league in 60 seconds. So give me your best recap. Everything that's gone on this past week, we'll start with Christian. Um, I just want to start with the Baltimore Orioles. That's going to be my focal point for this. They are horrible. They deserve all the slander that the Pirates have gotten in the last three years, and they have gotten none of it. They've lost 16 games in a row by two runs or more. Is it 17 now? By two runs or more. That hasn't been done since 1885, man. Like it's This is embarrassing by the Baltimore Orioles. That's all I have to talk about. That's right. Yeah, it's 17, and they're currently losing right now. So it, it would be 18 yeah. if they lost again today if the the score held. And it's not uh, even what's uh, Matthew? Really. It's it, not we, we talked about it a little bit in the standings update, but just the, the Phillies, the Padres, sort of falling off, the Reds, the Braves coming up, and then also the milestones. Um, Otani hit his 40th home run this week, I think. And then just now with uh, Miguel Cabrera hitting his 500th home run, big yep. week for home run milestones that we've been seeing across the league. About five minutes before we started recording, yep. Miggy hit 500. Yeah. It's also our background. It's kind of see through us right here. <laughs> but a, oh, a, a graphic is the background because Miggy deserves it. Yeah. Uh, J-Roy, what do you got? Uh, yeah, a few different things. I, I think it's interesting that, you know, the other day, Max Freed, you know, he had a, he threw a, a Maddox. And I, I think that it, you know, that's the first like Max Freed start we've seen in a long time. I think that was like the, you know, the first time in a while we've seen like a, like a, like a Cy Young caliber performance from him. And, you know, he's just riding that Braves momentum right now. Uh, you know, also bringing up Otani, I think, you know, we're always like enamored by what he's doing this season. But I don't know, whenever I heard that he threw eight innings and he hit his 40th home run of the season, like I would, like it just like I had to think about it for a little while. Like I just had to sit there and think about it. Like, it was, it's, it's not going to happen again. No, it, it's it's phenomenal. It, like it's, you know, I know Angels fans are eating it up. But like, man, like I like I just got to sit here and enjoy this. You know, it's awesome. It's, it's yeah. so good. Are you me. not eating it up, Jerry? No, I, I, I am. I am. No, like, like, but like, you know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Vlad defender. So like, you know, I've, I've Same. been like, you know, but no, like Otani, he's special. He's special. And uh, you know, uh, I remember last year on 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 the podcast, I said something about how, uh, you know, the Phillies are going to be playing the Diamondbacks this week, so maybe they can pad their record against them they lost all three against the diamondbacks so i think it you know that's just something you i think you got to keep in mind like whenever we talk about like strength of schedule like in the remaining games like sometimes that can all go out the window like you know like mm-hmm. i thought that would be three games if the phillies would win but they they lost all of them and looked terrible so oh yeah 
it'll happen. Especially, you know, like the Diamondbacks, I think the Rockies are also, like, they're interesting teams to be watching coming up here because they, they're going to play decent baseball for at least five, six innings. But it's usually those one or two innings a game that really do them in. Like, it's, it's going to be t- interesting, especially with those two down the stretch here, especially in the NL uh, West race. Because, I mean, the, the Giants are 7-3 and three in their last 10 and have lost three games worth of ground in the division. Or two and a half games worth of ground in the division. It's insane because the Dodgers, I think, have won nine straight. Like, it's You can be doing everything right and still, you know, you're still competing with the, you know, monsters of baseball, modern-day baseball. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, anyway, well, so just... Anything else anyone wants to say about anything else that's happened this week? Wrap that part up. If not, I got a couple things, I think. Um, I think what, one of the big things this week was Chris Bassett. Um, oh, he oh. got hit in the face by a line drive um, in Chicago against the White Sox. Very, very scary scenes. Uh, they took him to Rush University Medical Center, and he was gone a couple of days – or not gone, sorry. He was – let, allowed to leave a couple days later, like he is fine. He's gonna be he's gonna be fine. A few um, facial shru- uh, fractures, but that's about it. So really scary scenes. Uh, but he looks like he's gonna be making a full recovery, no problem. And then um, that's really the big one that I wanted on, just because you know it's. I think it's you know it's scary. The reality of baseball it happens. Happening any game, any day, and it's just very glad that um, when it does that there are people that are able to, you know, make sure that the worst is avoided. So we wish all the health to Chris Bassett and hopefully recovery is speedy and, you know, easy for him. All right. So beyond that, we'll move on to our seventh inning stretch. Let me just get this up. There we go. Uh, So Christian, J-Roy, Matthew, you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Perfect. So inning number one. Uh, so with the CBA negotiations coming up this offseason, like information is going to leak out. Like that's inevitable. We know that. That's how every everything happens. There's always leaks. But those leaks started this last week. And it was rumored that MLB would offer implement a $100 million salary floor, which a lot of teams have been asked, or no, a lot of fans I think have been asking for. I'm not sure about teams. Uh, uh, we know with tax and um, – that they would have a $180 million uh, salary. That would be the luxury tax, or there would be a tax for teams spending more than that. And the tax taken from those spending over $180 million would fund the team spending under $100 million. So do you guys think it's a good idea, a bad idea? What could the results of implementing a system like this be? And do you have any sort of better solution for salary floor, salary caps, stuff like that? And uh, we'll start with Matthew. Um, I think the floor, the salary floor, is a great idea. Um, you know, you got to have the team spending money. Some teams, like the Rays, are able to, you know, use their analytics, get to the point where they're competitive. But most of the teams that aren't spending, you look at the Pirates, look at a bunch of these other teams, just aren't able to compete with that level. And they're not paying the players enough. The players should be paid more. I don't know if funding that with, uh, the tax on the team is paying more is going to really work well, but it's a good start. You know, you got to get it, the floor out there somehow and bring that idea in and then you can negotiate to a point where it works better and it's a final idea. But 
to get that started in the negotiations, I think is a great idea. All right. uh, J. Roy, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, it's not someone I have super strong feelings about, but I do think it's it, it will be a good thing implementing that mim- minimum. Uh, this article on CBS said that there are seven teams that in the past have, like, have not hit that $100 million, and so they would have had to like increase how much they spend, and I think that's a good thing. I think uh, we want to encourage each of the teams to actually be spending money, and so uh, you know, like Matthew said, I think it'll like spur those negotiations and kind of get the ball rolling for – uh, certain teams and have them not just rely on the strength of their analytics departments, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, so I think the minimum is a good thing in place. Uh, and, you know, having uh, 180 as like the luxury tax, tax threshold, uh, you know, I, I think that's fine too. Yeah. I like, I like all those points. I think the floor is important, but my, uh, the, my PowerPoint just like shut down there for a sec. So I'm gonna get that back up, but we're gonna keep going and we'll, we'll get that back here. So uh, Christian, what do you got? Um, firstly, I think uh, I think the floor is fine. Uh, having a $100 million floor is fine, but to try to tax the teams who are spending is ridiculous. Um, they should not be punished because a team wants to cry poor. There are currently 11 teams under $100 billion. Two of them are within $3 million to surpass that. Uh, if I had to change this rule, how they interpreted it, the teams that aren't at the 100 million mark should be t- paying for the tax of teams who are above the threshold. You shouldn't be penalized uh, for spending money. It's stupid. It is stupid. It is very stupid. Small market teams do not exist. None of them are not making any profit. Any of the teams that are in the bottom of the league and just simply spend and it'll work. Uh, so a minimum floor is good. It's necessary. I just... The way they went about it was not uh, trying to tax anyone over 180 million i think it should be higher than that too because contracts in baseball are only getting higher per year trout's making 42 million i mean everyone's making more and more and more every year so to limit it at 180 million you're going to limit money players can make and that's not okay so it needs to be higher than 180 million yeah i like yeah i like that idea a lot um i think the floor is good i just think this system in particular is a little wacky but like mm-hmm. Christian just said there, um, if 180 million doesn't seem like a high value for you know those teams that really like to spend, so um, as I continue to work to get this back, but we'll keep moving forward. Um, so uh, inning number two, the Braves signed Travis Darno to a two-year, 16 million dollar contract this week with the club option, which would keep the catcher in Atlanta through 2024. I think this is a good move for the Braves. Like I. But um, what would incentivize them to make this move right now? And we'll go to Matthew. I mean, I think from the Braves side, it makes perfect sense. He's one of the top catchers in the game, at least last year. He had a great year offensively. He's been doing well. And if you look at some of the other contracts around the league, this last offseason, James McCann got a four-year, $40 million contract, making $10 million a year for the Mets. So to be able to get Darno at eight million a year is a steal. I don't know how the Braves front office able to keep doing this with all their players getting them to long deals at bargain values, but somehow they're able to do it with all their players and uh, Freddie Freeman contract year this offseason. We'll see what they do with him if they're saving money for him or if he's going to get another bargain deal as well. But I mean, as someone within the division, I just don't understand how they're able to 
get all these players at these prices. Yeah, it's a interesting way to do it, but you know it works for him. So, uh, J Roy. Oh yeah, I mean I think the deal just shows they they have their foot on the gas, you know, and they want to continue, uh, you know, put, uh, sticking it to the Phillies and the Mets and other teams in that division. And you know, right now they're the best team in that division, and it shouldn't even be close, really. Like they like they. If the Braves were really about it, they would go out there, keep winning games, and make this a ten like a ten game lead. And the Phillies and the Mets couldn't do anything about it because they have too many holes in both of their teams. And so, I mean, this is a good deal for them. Like it's it's not expensive, a really good deal. Like Matthew said, eight million a year. That's a really good deal, especially considering James McCann, who's not a good baseball player, got more money than that. Uh, you know, I think that it's it is impressive that the Braves keep doing this. They, you know, they. Uh, the you know the Acuna deal, or that's like the most team friendly deal in the sport right now, and so uh, I think that uh, I think it's a good deal for the Braves. You know, uh, Darno was real, uh, pretty good offensively last year, one forty four weighted runs created plus. He's missed a lot of time this year, but I think he I think he will continue to be a difference maker for them going forward. So yeah, I like the deal for the Braves, and I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Christian. Yeah, I'd have to agree. This deal is awesome for the Braves. They have William Contreras as their backup, Jeff Mathis as their backup, and there's no good catchers hitting the free agent market this year. So this this move made perfect sense for them. James McCann is a bad baseball player. He's a below-league average hitter and a below defender and should not have been given that money at all. So the fact that they're paying for a good catcher below him is just – it is truly ridiculous. Um, I think what made them make this move is he came back and he's still hitting. He's still framing. And they just have a need for catching. There's no one's ready in the minors. No one's there in free agency. It's a perfect deal for the Braves. Yeah, I like that um, assessment a lot there. He's, I mean, he's just been doing his job. He's earned it, I think. And like, you know, the free agent class, like he said, is not super strong. Their minor leagues for catching isn't super strong, so I like to do a lot too. And I think uh, kind of what J. Roy said that just shows they're like they're ready to go. They're like want to keep you know the success they've had the last couple of years in the division. So we'll see um, how it results and what comes of that deal in the next couple of years. Here, yeah. He also, um, I think he just won. On, yeah, yeah. He also uh, just won on the paternity list. So uh, congrats to him and his. Family, they're gonna have another kid. So, yeah, I don't know if another kid. I don't know if everybody has a kid. Oh yeah, dad power is very real. <laughs> anyway, so uh, inning number three. So after being DFA'd by the Cubs, the Padres signed Jake Arrieta to a major league deal, who imme- immediately gave up five runs in his debut. Is there any upside to this move for the Padres, or is it a desperate grab? as the team starts to risk sinking out of playoff contention, as you know, they're already kind of now on the outside looking in. And we'll start with J-Roy. Uh, I mean, no, this is this is a terrible pickup. <laughs> like, Jake, Jake Arrieta is, is not a good pitcher. Like, I had to watch this guy pitch for a little while. He's he's not good at all. Like, Jake Arrieta has not had a Sierra under four since 2016. Like, you know, he strikes out under 20% of the hitters he faces. He walks like 8%, like, oh, like close to 10% of them. I mean, he, like, you know, the, like, the, there's not much to say other than that, like, Arietta's not a good Major League Baseball pitcher, like, in the year 2021. I, I don't really see how this moves the needle at 
all for the Padres. I, I, I think it's just kind of funny, honestly, that they went out and got him. Like, like I don't know. I just think it's hilarious because he, he's not good. And uh, I, I don't really know what they were thinking with this. Christian. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Jake Arrieta is horrible. Um, he was awesome when he was on roids with Chicago. Like, that, that's the truth. He was on roids with Chicago. Uh, Jerry said it best. He stopped striking out players. He's walking too many players now. His FIP hasn't been below 4.5 since he was a Cub. I mean, it's 6.15 right now this season. He is just – I don't understand this move in the slightest. I – Mackenzie Gore, even with his horrible mechanics from last year, would be a better pitcher than Jake Arrieta right now. There is zero reason why a team who is contending should have gone for him. There's zero reason why the Baltimore Orioles should have tried to bring him back. He has no business on a team right now. Fair points. I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, I think Gore like fixed his mechanics. Mm-hmm. There's like a video around going on Twitter of him uh, with more sound mechanics for the like. Yeah. Kick. It's still pretty similar uh, in the motion, but it's definitely tuned down a lot, and that's great. Yeah, I think they'll do wonders for him. Uh, Matthew, what do you got? Is there any upside in this move? I think so. It's There's a small chance, a really small chance, but there is a possible upside if he finds something. I don't know what he'd be able to find, but there is a chance he could you know, be valuable. But I think it is more so that second part, a des- desperate move by a team that's slowly falling out of contention. And you talked about his first game with the Padres, except that was in Colorado. So that's a little bit harsh to judge, I think, because it's Coors and a team that plays well at home. Even even though they suck on the road, the Rockies have been one of the best teams in baseball this year at home. And um, so that's tough. And then also you look at, for this season, um, his home run fly ball percentage is the highest of his career. And it's not really that close. If somehow he's able to fix that in the pitching coach or talking to someone in San Diego, is able to bring that down, he could be a serviceable four or five option, I think, that might be able to win a game or two that could decide something down the stretch. He's not someone you pitch in a wild card game or in a must win playoff game, but he could, you know, help with a game in the regular season. No, yeah, I <laughs> I I didn't get it when they made the move either. Uh, I think it's just like, you know, the second half of this question asked, is this just desperation? I think so. And, you know, I think they're really kind of, they're willing to try whatever will get them. Uh, you know, the past that hump that they're, you know, trying to face right now, but it's, it's not a great sound move, but yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they, he ends up doing something for him, if he refines his form, uh, but we'll see. Anyway, moving on. Um, inning number four. Factor fiction. With the Mets considering shutting Jacob DeGrom down for the season uh, with shoulder inflammation, combined with surges from the Phillies and the Braves, the Mets can basically say goodbye to any chance they had at the playoffs. And we'll start with Christian. Um, I'm going to say fiction. I think they still have a chance for the playoffs. A slim chance at that. But this is an offense that's so severely underperformed. I mean, Dominic Smith had a 140 WRC plus last year. He's at 84 right now. Jeff McNeil's at 93. Lindor, 97. Confortals at 101. These are all really good hitters who've done nothing. I still have faith that they can find themselves. They're going to get Lindor back, and they're getting Baez back within the week. The division's not good. 
Like the Braves have been playing out of their mind right now. Phillies have been playing better. Um, I just, I don't have any faith in them. So I still see the Mets as a team that can compete, that can sneak in and take that division. But yeah, it's none of them are really that good, and that's why. Jaron. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna say fact just because I I don't I don't trust the Mets at all. Like you know, I they every single one of their hitters who are talented hitters or have been terrible this year. Like Christian listed off the numbers there, none of their hitters have performed well this year. And like I I don't really see any reason why that's gonna change anytime soon. You know, if you have the best pitcher in baseball who is not gonna potentially pitch for you the rest of the year. It's going to be such an uphill battle for them. They, you know, they can, they'll probably finish ahead of the Phillies. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But man, like if the Braves take care of business, like this really shouldn't be a close race. And then at least I, I, I just think it's a really, really slim chance that the Mets still make the playoffs. Matthew. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. Oh, it's definitely a fact. There's no shot at this point. The Mets make the playoffs. They're seven games out right now. I don't know if I'd call the Phillies surging right now. They're, I think, 3-8 and eight in their last 11, including a sweep out from the Diamondbacks. But, I didn't write these questions and put them out there. It was okay. last. Um. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the Braves, on the other hand, definitely been surging. They were getting hot at the right time. Won eight straight, I think, about to make it nine against the Orioles and. They, to me, have been the best team in the division for most of the season. They struggled at the beginning, but it, they were always going to win the division um, in my eyes. I think the Mets, just with their injuries, with all this stuff happening, weren't going to be able to keep it up. The Phillies were never really a good team in the first place, and they're just you know struggling to stay around 500 now. But the Braves, even with the losses they've had, they had a, so they had a quietly strong deadline getting their entire outfield um and now you know they're starting to play well starting to hit their stride and they got a bunch of easy games with the rest of the division not being that good i don't know what they'll do in the playoffs but i think they should make it there pretty easily yep i'd agree um christian you said you you seem like you had something to say yeah i uh I am. Um, the one reason why I truly have faith in the Mets is that they have something that the Braves and the Phillies do not, which is a really damn good bullpen. Edwin Diaz, Aaron Loop, Seth Lugo, Trevor May are great relievers, like phenomenal, phenomenal relievers. Aaron Loop has a 117 ERA this year, and it's deserved. He's a 184 FIP. Um, when you have a bullpen that good, you can go on streaks. You can win without starting pitching, and you can win without hitting. The Mariners have been doing it all season. The Mariners do it quite some time. Uh, so, yeah, that's why is, I really have faith in the Mets. So the problem is the Mets haven't been getting out to leads. They went on a stretch of, like, I don't know, five games, I think, last week where they didn't have a lead. Yeah. Your bullpen can't keep a lead if you don't ever have it. To be fair, fair, they've been playing the Giants and Dodgers for the last week and a half. That is also true. I, they've been I, playing tough teams. Yeah, Christian, I think you make a very interesting point, and I think that if they sneak into the playoffs, that makes them really dangerous. Like if they can get into bullpen battles with any team in the NL, that makes them very dangerous. I just think they've dug themselves too big of a hole right now. Yeah, yeah, I they're they're a quality team. Like I've watched them a lot this last week because you know, the Giants, and then I've been keeping track of their games against the Dodgers, and you know they I think they've lost three, four straight, but they're not getting blown out. Their games are being kept are close. Being, like it's, it's, it's not, it's not ridiculous. So 
uh, I I think there's nothing wrong with having faith in them. Um, I also think there's nothing wrong with having no faith in them. They've given teams or people a reason to have and not to have. The bullpen is very strong and a good reason to have faith. All right, so uh, we'll move on to inning number five here. So staying with the Mets, uh, Stephen Cohen made some headlines this week. Got himself in the news, uh, in the middle of the Mets struggle. uh, He tweeted out, It's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have the more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. End quote. How big of an issue do you have with Cohen saying this? And how do you even respond to that if you're a player in the deck? Or I guess if you even have an issue, or you might not have issues with this. But we'll see here. And we'll start with J-Roy. Uh, yeah, I have absolutely zero problem with this at all. Like, I, I think – I'm not going to say that it's a good thing necessarily, but this team cannot hit at all. And they have zero excuse for it. Like a team with Nemo, Pete Alonzo, Lindor, Conforto, Dominic Smith. Like this is crazy. Like it is, it is absolutely egregious that they cannot hit the ball. For they, like if you are a player in the Mets dugout and you are upset at your owner saying this, go hit the ball. Like go hit better. Like just listen to what he is saying and listen. Like, like. They have a good team out there. Like you can't even say like, oh, we don't have the talent. Like we need to go make moves in the off season, or we should have made more moves at the deadline. Like you, the talent is there. There's no question about that. You can go look at these guys' track records, and you know, look at the season Dominic Smith had last year. Look at you know, look at Nimmo's on base percentage the last few years. Look at look at you know, there's a lot of things you can look at. This team can hit. They're just not doing it. For for the, I mean. If the, if Steve Cohen making comments like this on the internet is the thing that they need to like get riled up and actually go out there and like start hitting the ball, then so be it. Like I, I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, Matthew, yeah, I think it's a bit of a unique situation. We don't really have owners of professional sports teams in today's age, you know, going on social media and just tweeting things. Um, I guess in the past you could have had press conferences of them saying things, but it's really different when you can just grab your phone and send out a message and everyone, all the fans can see it and reply and all the players are seeing it. And, you know, to be honest, like what Jerry was saying, I don't really have that big of a problem with what he was saying because it's true. The team hasn't been hitting well, but it might've been better to do it at least the first time in private. Maybe he did a first time in private and we don't know about it because it was private. But I think it should have been kept within the team. Maybe fire up your team that way. But putting them on blast to the entire world is kind of, I don't know if that's the right move. And you could you know, could start to affect in future trying to re-sign these players, trying to bring them back, or trying to bring in other free agents back, saying, I don't want to be a part of this team where if I go out there and play badly for a game or two, all of a sudden my owner is going to call me out and start saying you need to play better when, you know, these guys, I, I have to assume, are trying their best to win games. They're in a playoff race, so it's not like they're trying to do this. And then they're going out there and their boss is yelling at them in public. It's kind of it's awkward to see, sort of, as a fan. Christian. 
Um, I don't have any like major problems with this other than the fact that uh, you're talking about plate discipline and OPS and all this stuff. And you went out and traded for Javier Baez as your biggest hit. That was the guy. That was your plate discipline on base percentage guy that you wanted. You set yourself up for failure when Chris Bryant was right there on the same exact damn team. Um, Steve Cohen is a hedge fund loser, but he loved baseball. He's been a baseball diehard his entire life, and he bought the Mets. I would be the same exact way if I was a head fudge loser who bought the Angels. That's exactly how any baseball fan tweets when they're angry. I, I don't blame him at all. Um, it is weird to see, kind of, just seeing an owner blast them on the timeline. But I, if, speaking for Mets fans, it has to be so damn refreshing to see that. When you had Will Pone in there, like, who just hid themselves from all that crap and let the media talk them out of it. It was this has to be the most refreshing thing to see an owner actually call them out and hold accountability. I, I love this from him. I don't like him. He's a loser. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a unique situation. Um, like for sure. Cause you know, no one else is doing that. It's really just Owen doing it. And like Christian said there at the end, um, the Mets fans really got a quick 180 with owners there. Um, but I know a lot of people are real upset about it. But also, I don't know if I necessarily upset about it. I'm like, okay, like, uh, like, um, it was said earlier. Um, maybe do it internally first. Maybe they did. Maybe it was private, so we don't know. But the way that a lot of players reacted makes me think it wasn't internally done first. And I thought it was interesting to see him. You know, he comes after um, slugging an OPS. Like those are, I mean, with you know him being. Like, you know, most of the boomer stats. I was expecting, like, thing average. RBIs are down. Like, well, hit. So he came out He came out with a little bit more not so, you know, boomer stats. But, I don't know, interesting to see uh, nonetheless. But, uh, man, I, I think he hoped it would ignite something in him, and it hasn't shown so far. So I think it might have the opposite effect of what he was hoping for. Anyway, uh, moving past Steve Cohen and the Mets. Uh, so, inning number six here. It's a 10. Well, I messed that up real quick. Atetokounmpo. I wanted to say Atetokounmpo. That one Twitter. Exactly. Giannis Atetokounmpo <laughs> of the Milwaukee Bucks is now part of the ownership group for the Milwaukee Brewers. Between him and Patrick Mahomes doing the same thing, because Patrick Mahomes is a part owner of the Royals, uh, do these types of things mean anything to you? It's obvious, like, you know, a way of, you know, these other stars and other sports showing a connection to the city. Um, does that earn, you know, these players any points with you? And if there's going to be another an, a non-MLB player, another star to buy stake in an MLB team, who do you think it is? And we'll go to Matthew first. Yeah, um, I think it's great for – growing the game i mean it's not going to hurt for sure but i think it could help because a lot of these fans that are football fans or um you know basketball fans that maybe might not be into baseball if your favorite player is Giannis, your favorite player is mahomes and you see oh they own this team now they like the sport maybe i should start getting into it and then you can start getting these other fans from the other sports and you know slowly get them more involved and then you can grow the sport from there and you know you're saying your favorite player likes our sport you should too. If MLB leans into that, I think that could help. Um, I mean, in terms of who's the next one to do it, I don't know. You got to 
really the formula for it is both these players won with their city. Mahomes has the long-term contract. Giannis signed an extension. Um, so you got to have somebody who's basically defined by a city. I think Brady might have been a guy who could have done it before he left for Tampa. Maybe he could still do it back in Boston. But And then you can also look at the players that were drafted in baseball and decided to go to football or another sport instead. Um, someone like Kyler Murray, maybe if he finds a bunch of success. But it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint a specific player that would be next, I think. Yeah, I like those picks, though. Brady, I, I can see Brady going back to Boston and maybe trying to do something there. Uh, Jay Roy. Oh, yeah, I think it, it's definitely cool to see. Like Matthew said, I think it's good for growing the game. It definitely doesn't hurt. And I think, you know, I like it especially in a case like Mahomes just because – you know, Mahomes grew up playing baseball. His dad was a major league pitcher. So I think, you know, he uh, has some sort of connection to baseball. And so for him to go out and buy a share of the Royals, I think it's just cool and fun to see. You know, he's uh, he's like the biggest name in football right now. And, you know, it's a good thing for MLB. Uh, you know, and also, you know, seeing Giannis buy a stake of the Brewers, like I, I have no idea if Giannis likes baseball at all or not. But it's just kind of funny to see. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I have no problem with it. Uh I would love to see Luka Doncic become a part owner of the Texas Rangers. I think I think that would be I think that would be awesome. You know, I think that would maybe uh, make a little people a little bit more interested in a team that's been bad the last few years. You know, it might it might be the spark plug that the Rangers need. And you know, everyone loves Luka. He's you know, I think he. You know, he has a shot to be, like, the best international player ever. And, you know, I think that uh, – I don't know. He's all around really fun to watch. I think that – I don't know. I'd like to see him be part owner of the Rangers. I think that would be fun. I absolutely love that pick. I didn't even, like, think about Luca. I don't know why, but I love that pick. Uh, Christian. Um, yeah, I think the two obvious for me is uh, LeBron. He could easily buy a stake in the Dodgers or go back to Cleveland. Um Magic Johnson is a minority owner of the Dodgers too, right? Correct. So I could easily see LeBron getting into that. Um, Giannis is such a humble king, man. I love him. I'm so glad he, God, he love did Giannis. this. He's been so smart investing in things. Like I just, I love everything about him. Um, yeah, LeBron and uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I think he could invest. He invested in the Sacramento Kings at one point, and then had to sell it because he was um, a part of a gambling site. And they couldn't like do the same. So I could absolutely see Shaq doing it. He's someone who just loves to go on everything. He's in every advertisement. He's just doing side quests right now in his life. <laughs> the Dodgers being a minority owner, I could easily see that very much so. Um, I think this is awesome for baseball. I don't know how much it necessarily helps baseball, but it's not a down. It's not a bad thing. It can't possibly be a bad thing. So I I, I enjoy this quite a bit. Yeah, I uh, so when I, I I threw in the bit about like well, who's the next person to do it, uh, I think you could easily see like a Steph Curry with like the A's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see uh, Trey Young with the Braves, maybe. Um, like you said, it's like these big names uh, who got like big deals uh, with these teams that tend to be a little more like small market, as you could you would say, or that aren't getting as much attention. I think uh, Jokic uh, with the Rockies, maybe even coming off uh, this MVP and all that. But my original, my first one was uh, Dak Prescott with the Rangers, like uh, because he just got a big deal in the NFL too. But I just think it's really cool to see. 
And I know after or the aftermath of Giannis's um, becoming a part owner, apparently they were like in talks about this for months. This isn't like a quick thing. Like this is when um, the NBA, when Giannis was like, they weren't sure if he was going to sign with the Bucks. He was talking to Brewers ownership about this. He, he there was never a chance of him actually leaving. And also, right shortly after, a video of him surfaced swinging a bat, and it's not good. He could work not on that for a little bit. Yeah, a lot, a bit actually, but yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Knowing really, I have a better screen than Giannis makes me feel quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was really entertaining. But uh, yeah, I think it's really cool for baseball. Like you guys all brought up good points. Um, I think it's a good chance. To, like, oh, your favorite player owns part of a baseball team. Well, maybe I should go look at the baseball team. And like, I think it's a good stepping stone, especially for like really young fans. So I think there's literally no downside to it. I think it's, it's cool. It's fun. Um, so down the stretch here, our seventh inning. So there have been seven City Connect jerseys that have been released this season, with the Dodgers jerseys being released this week. Rank the seven from best to worst. And if you guys forgot, we have the Marlins, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Diamondback, Diamond, Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Dodgers. Those are your seven. Uh, we have one to seven, and you know why you have you know one, why you have seven. Uh, so we'll start with Christian. Um, Miami's absolutely the swaggiest, most beautiful fucking jersey I have seen in quite some time. They should be their full time jerseys. The Chicago White Sox would be my second. That was awesome. Um, that's as much praise as I will have for that team. Fair. I uh, I liked the Diamondbacks cream jerseys. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of them, but I would have to have them third. The Boston, I uh, the color scheme I like. I was confused why Boston of all teams had it, but I liked the color scheme quite a bit. And then the Cubs was downright horrible. The Giants, I didn't like. I like the hats. Um, those two are interchangeable for me. And then the Dodgers, I didn't necessarily uh, dislike anything about those jerseys. But the fact that they went Los Dodgers and not Los Doyers like pissed me off. It pissed any Hispanic off. It's same. Yep. So, yep. I was so upset so, about it. So ridiculous. And yeah, so Dodgers is by far the last because how dare they? Yep. Um, Jeroy. Yeah. I, so I'm going to agree with Christian that I think the Marlins uh, was were my favorite. I think I just really like the design. I really like the color scheme there. It uh, really just stood out to me. And uh, I, I think it just works better than any of the other ones. Uh, I, I, I do not like the Red Sox one. I think that's probably my least favorite. I don't really care for the color scheme there. The, that, you know, that like blue and yellow, I just, I just don't really care for it. Uh, I, I don't like the color of the Cubs jerseys, but I, I like how it says Wrigleyville. I think that's pretty cool. Like, you know, I like, I like Wrigleyville more than I like Southside, you know, like I, I, I like the White Sox jerseys more, but I think Wrigleyville is just a cooler catchphrase. The Giants one at first I didn't like, but I've I've grown I've warmed up to it a lot. I think the the colors on it are pretty vibrant. Like I I, I don't know. I just like the way the colors kind of pop, and I think that uh, like the G logo is like you know I don't know. At first I didn't like it, but now I kind of do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just I think it's better. Like it's more it's better designed than a lot of the other ones are. That's uh, I, for Gatorade commercial, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I, mean. I uh, <laughs> and then I will say that I think the the Diamondbacks jersey is actually pretty cool, with, like the Serpiente on it. I kind of I kind of dig that, and uh, the Dodgers. I like the colors, but like like you know because like it's 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 just normal Dodger blue pretty much. But like, like y'all said, like but the fact that it doesn't say Los Doyers and it just says Los Dodgers, like Dodgers isn't a Spanish word. Like I I, I don't really understand what they were going for there. But so okay, so if I had to rank them, I'll go number one Marlins. I'll go number two Giants. Number three White Sox. Number four Diamondbacks. Number five Cubs. Number six Dodgers, and number seven Red Sox. Okay, that's very off of most other lists I've seen. Oh yeah, it's very no, no, no. much not. Similar. I, yeah, I feel like my, my list is very different from everyone every other one I've seen. I, like on Twitter. I expect nothing less from JRI. <laughs> Matthew? Um, so I sort of broke this down into three tiers of the jerseys. The first tier in order being Diamondbacks 1, White Sox 2, Marlins 3. Um, so the Diamondbacks jerseys for me, I just love those. The Serpientes, the color all of that, that is the tiebreaker for me between that and the White Sox, which I love the White Sox one, but just black and white, and I get that's their colors, but it's still a little bit, you know, basic. I like the cream in the background, the way they used the desert for the Diamondbacks and brought all that in, and it felt, that's sort of what I envisioned when I hear the City Connect jerseys. That's sort of the standard for me at this point. And then the Marlins both, uh, Jay Roy and Christian brought it up really great with the color scheme, the way it works, um, and all that. And then the second tier, I'd have the Cubs and the Red Sox, which are sort of like, they're eh, they're not horrible, they're not great. Um, the Red Sox, I think, would be better. It's a little weird with their color scheme, given their colors. Um, you know, the yellow and the blue, the, the light blue, that's not really what I think of when I think of Red Sox, but I get the city thing. I get some people in Boston like those, so that gives it a little bit of a boost. And then um, the last tier would be the Giants and then the Dodgers, both of which I think they could have done a lot better with. They're not really that good. Um, watching the Dodgers game the other day and, you know, the hat just looks crowded, putting Los Dodgers on there and then the all blue. I mean, it's it's a nice color blue. And I like when the pants match the jersey, but it's just a little bit too much, I think, um, for a regular season game that they're going to be using often. And again, the same thing that Christian brought up where it says Los Dodgers. Like that just that in itself doesn't really make sense. They could have they could have done better there. Um the Giants, I mean, there's not really much happening there. It's you know, I see what they were trying to do, could have had better execution. Um it's, you know. There's not really much else to say. It's like they tried to go simple, but with a little bit of touch there, and it sort of just didn't work well, work out. So, yeah. Um, so, so this was our last question, uh, and we have a tie for first. But I'm going to give it to Christian because his rankings were the closest to mine, <laughs> and because it's completely biased show, yeah. uh, I'm going to give Christian the win here. J-Ray probably would have won if he wouldn't have praised the Giants jerseys. I, As I, a Giants I, fan. I just yeah. think that I just think that like out of all the teams that tried to do something ambitious with their colors, 
I think like the Giants, like the Giants' colors, the gradient of that color just looked so much better than, to me than like I thought the Red Sox one was terrible. Like like I don't like that jersey. It like it doesn't feel like a Boston Red Sox jersey to me at all. And I I don't think it's as well executed as like the Marlins or like you know the the stark black and white of like the the White Sox jersey. But I I I don't I don't hate the the Giants jersey at all. That's that's fair, and I've seen a lot of people outside of Giants fans, and some Giants fans like it. I, for one, think they're awful. They look worse in person, if that's believable. I've seen them in action. Uh, the one, the game they wore them because they wore them home Tuesday games is when they wear them. And the game I went to a game, um, a Giants Dodgers game. It was a game with the belly throwing error at first. I was at that game, and uh. the jerseys just don't look good in person i haven't seen the other ones but they just don't they're just bad like uh, i don't know the logo itself it looks really good on like they have the sweatshirts with that same orange the creamsicle color the tangerine whatever you want to call it um they they look good on that but the fact they're on the white base makes it look really off it makes it look really awkward um so i don't love them my rankings are miami's one I think that is the absolute best one, especially with like the meaning behind it. It's a, like a shout out to the Negro League team that was there. Uh, the White Sox I have at two, just because they they're just clean, they're well done. Um, and I have the D backs at three, but I kind of like those two are interchangeable for me. I love the D backs. Serpientes is fantastic, big fan. I have Wrigleyville at four, uh, Red Sox at five, because like I get the. When you get City Connect, you can't connect more much more to a city than the Red Sox did, because the color scheme is for the Boston Marathon, like yep. that's their whole mm, thing. They look like the UCLA it. Red Sox though with the jerseys. I, that's why I like him because UCLA. That's like that, they're my dogs, but I I didn't uh, correlate Bar- Boston Marathon. That makes way more sense. Yeah, because I remember when they were first came out, I hated them, and then yeah. someone's like, "This is why they're this." And I'm like, "Okay, I hate them less, but they're still not mm. great." Yeah, they got to bump up for me because the people in Boston, they kind of like it. They love them. That. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. And I think that's more important than anything. When the city likes them, that's that's big. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the White Sox were like two for me because that fan yeah. base loves those jerseys. Yeah, I was going to say, so. um, J-Roy made a comment like he liked uh, Wrigleyville more than Southside. I think Southside blew that away because that that is City Connect. Like that's, you know, that's what you talk about. Southside mm, Chicago. That's, that's the White Sox. Like it's. It resonated with the team and the city and the fan base. Really, that's personally. a good point. I, I just I don't like the okay. That's very fair. I don't like the font that Southside is. That's written. fair. That's, that's fair. fair. It's the White Sox, so I yeah, screw them. <laughs> fair enough. And then I had the Giants six and the Dodgers seven, just because Los Doyers was right there. Mm-hmm. Like it's it feels almost like super intentional not to have Los Doyers. And I saw I've seen a bunch of Twitter stuff about it. They're like, oh, well, they don't want to like make fun of like the Hispanic people don't say it right, but Nike already has licensed Los Doyers merchandise. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't understand it. It's like if you like said Los Giants instead of like Los Gigantes, like it wouldn't make exactly. any. It wouldn't make the any Giants have Gigantes jerseys. Like I yeah. have one. It's my favorite jersey. Mm-hmm. It just says Gigantes on it instead of it doesn't say Los Giants. The first like, little league team I played on was on the Los Doyers, not the Dodgers, but the Los Doyers. So that's yeah, the jersey see, I wore. <sighs> It, it's right there. They, if it would have been Los Doyers, I would have respected it a lot more. I would have bought it instantly. <laughs> I wouldn't have, but like, that's for other reasons. But that's fair. man, they, I think they missed their opportunity with it. 
but I think they're an 87 right now. But I'm excited like for the City Connects next year. I think they'll learn a lot from what people like this year. And I've heard that they've seen they've seen the reactions, and they're going to go back to some of the mock-ups they've had already. So we could see some change to what the original designs would have been. We probably won't see something like Los Dodgers again. We probably won't see something like the Giants again. Um, we'll probably see more so like the Miamis, the D-backs, those ones that everyone kind of agrees are really, really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's I think they're fun. I like them. I just hate my teams. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, what what jerseys are you most anticipated for next season? Like the well, Angels ones, I feel like. I They can do so much with the Angels, the <laughs> Wings, like everything about it. And there's so many teams that – I'm excited for the Rockies. Yeah, I think the Rockies can be so because they have the purple. They have like so much right there for them. The mountains, mm-hmm. if they don't incorporate the mountains, I'd be upset about it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they have so I, much potential. If, they have if the easiest if, color scheme to do good, exactly. I agree. Like if they do something with that, that like that really deep purple. Like I love that color. Like that Rockies. It's so nice. Purple. It's you so know, pretty. They they could they could kill a jersey with that. That'd be that'd be great. Tampa I don't know if Bay I did. Well. I don't know if I use the word excited, but for when the Yankees get theirs, I'm interested. <laughs> I guess to be to see what they do, see how much they actually stray from, you know, their standard and traditional jerseys. Maybe yeah. the Yankees I, fans are gonna be up in arms. Yeah. I, 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 I want a name on the back for the Yankees jerseys, and I want all <laughs> of them to be fuming about it. I also, yeah, I'm kind of excited for the Rangers ones and and the Phillies just because they they kind of share a color scheme in a sense, like the the red whites and the blues. Like I just think that you could go two very different directions with both with those colors, and so I'm kind of interested to like contrast the Rangers and the Phillies jerseys. I I think the Phillies can do a lot because Philadelphia is a very historical city. Mm-hmm. So I think they have very, very high potential, and I'm excited to see them. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. the Phillies jerseys now too. Like I think they've got some really good jerseys. Mm-hmm. Really solid so, jerseys. Like I have one. So, but they're they've got so much potential. I just really hope they don't mess it up again. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, anything anything else before we move on to our last little bit here? Uh, with the Rangers jerseys, they're totally doing like an American flag jersey. That's just I've had no, probably. In my head. a Texas flag made probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The lone Texas star on top, an American flag on the pants, or something like it's happening. I want them to look as as minor league as possible because minor league jerseys are fantastic. So Big fan. Love the Frisco Rough Riders have some cool jerseys. Yeah, uh, a lot of teams do. The Angels and the uh, Trash. The Rocket City Trash Pandas should be swapped. Oh, those are the, tra- the Trash Pandas deserves to be an MLB name. Like it just deserves to be. Also, as we're like still talking about the jerseys, real quick. So something we didn't mention at all was the um, the Little League World Series. Like you know, they have the the game mm-hmm. out in um, mm-hmm. uh, wherever they are, Williamsport. Williamsport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so th- this year the jerseys they did were they actually put Great Lakes and then West on the team because it's like uh, Cleveland and the Angels. So the Angels, it's very, it's pretty much just take the colors of the team, the Little League World Series design, slap it onto a jersey, and I think it look really cool. I like yeah. them; they're fun. Um, the Great Lakes for Cleveland's really nice. I think the Angels, the West looks really good too. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just. I fun. wish it wasn't West. It could have been like Orange or something for like Orange City or County or something. Well, I mean, but West was cool. West, West was. Fine. That's because they play West. That's why. Yeah, that's but the, the Great Lakes, region. like Great Lakes, is that's a lot the region. Easier. 
Yeah. 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 West. Just West was. Ah, I felt Midwest is about that. Los Angeles is in the Midwest, buddy. Like I don't know what to tell no, you. No, I, I don't know. But like <laughs> you have Great Lakes for the Cleveland, right? And then you have right. West for Anaheim. I just felt kind of like they could have done so cheated. much like more. Yeah, I felt cheated. I felt very cheated on that. But the jerseys yeah. itself look really good. They look nice. They're fun. I like them a lot. <laughs> Plus, I love seeing the coverage. All the little league kids obsessing over Otani, mm-hmm. Trout. Mostly, it's those two. They they're trying to build up like Cleveland's as well, but it's not as easy because you know they have J Ram. <laughs> that's about it. But Otani's Otani. Like, come on. All right. Uh, anyway, we'll go into our last bit here. Our what to watch for this week. What these guys will tell you. You know, a player, a team, uh, experience. I don't know what are you guys watching this week. And we'll start with our winner, Christian. Um, I think Brandon Marsh. He's finally like he's learned MLB level. Well, he had always had that really good eye and the powers in there, the contact, and he has just been everything to watch in Anaheim right now. Toronto is still always the team I am most focused on. I still think they're the, at least the second best team in that division, and they're the team I'm most anticipated about. Uh, Matthew. So in general, obviously the playoff race, obviously, but um, more specifically looking at the Braves schedule this week, now that they're sort of in control of the NL East, they have the Yankees at the beginning of the week, and then I think it's the, the Giants on the weekend. So those are playoff teams. We'll finally see if, you know, are they in first place because it's the NL East and everyone else is worse, or are they actually, do they belong in the playoff picture? So this will clear that up a bit, I think. All right, J-Roy, bring us home. Uh, uh, the Blue Jays and the White Sox play a little bit later this week, and I think that'll be an interesting set of games. Just kind of curious to see how the Blue Jays fare against a really, really good White Sox team. And also, I'm going to bring up Jose Ramirez because I feel like I'm always bringing him up, but J-Ram has a 4.4 F4 right now, you know, 136 weighted runs creator plus, and he's had some very, very poor batted ball luck. Uh, you know, he's walking right around where he was last year, a little bit less, but his his on-base percentage is like 30 points lower. So, I, uh, you know, uh, I think that if things, you know, start to turn – like because he hit like two home runs like yesterday maybe or two days ago, something like that. You know, if he's starting to heat up, man, like, you he's, know, he, he he's, he's going to put up like a six-and-a-half win season and we're not going to realize it. So, you know, I just – I'm always going to be boosting that dude up. He deserves it. He very much deserves it. And I'm going to throw this in there. We do get another Dodgers Padres series this week. Um, it might feel like it's not as anticipated because the Padres have been so bad. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's still going to be a lot of exciting baseball just because, you know, all of those matchups so far have been insane. So I'm I'm going to be, you know, tuning into that for sure. And it's in right, San Diego, you, right? Yes, I believe so. That so, first game is going to be so important to set the energy and set the tone exactly. for the rest of the series, man. Because if they go out with a whimpered Padres that first game, they're fucked for the rest of the series. But if they, if it's an electric ninth inning or anything in that like game where Tatis can just get the crowd hyped up, they're winning it. Like they're they're breaking out of this slump. Yeah, we'll see if the Padres get their mojo back. That's I think it's going to be real important. Plus, I I hope the Padres will sweep that series. So. Uh, anyway, as we wrap up here, uh, you know where to find us. Hopefully, if you don't, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Diamond underscore Digest, Instagram, Diamond.Digest, or online on the internet at digest.com. 
And so, yeah, that'll be it for us to, uh, today, this week, this week in baseball. Uh, for Jonathan Roy, Matthew Penn, and our winner, Christian Moore today, I am Diego Franco Carino. Enjoy your week of baseball. Enjoy your week of life. As always, baseball. go baseball. Yep. Go Fire Madden. <laughs>